All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of The Personal Collection. I'm here today with Bob, but first off, before we talk about his PC, I have to give a huge shout out to Jimmy J. Sut, a subscriber of the channel. This is the second person he's recommended, and they've gone through with these episodes. So remember a few episodes ago, we talked with a cricket collector from Australia. Well, now we're going to be talking with a ticket collector from the United Kingdom. So I really appreciate you sending those guests over. And if you guys have any other guests, if you'd like to see me interview on the channel, make sure to either leave me a message on Twitter or Instagram. You can email me or just leave it in the comment section down below. Love interviewing people all across different aspects of this hobby. But hey, thanks for jumping on. I really appreciate it, man. No, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, thanks again to Jimmy for kind of doing the introduction and, you know, real pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So you collect tickets. So how did you get into ticket collecting? Did you just start keeping everything that you went to, whether it's concerts or games, or did you just start looking at tickets as like, oh man, I think this could be another opportunity in the hobby. Like, what's your story into it? So it was, it was a bit of a hybrid, to be honest. I think, I think like a, like an awful lot of people, I, I, I got um, uh, involved in the hobby, probably in the thick of the pandemic and the lockdown. Um, I started with cards and stickers, like a lot of people had been at that time. And I felt a little bit like I was being priced out of that market. And so I started to think about other kind of collectible assets that um, had a lower barrier to entry, um, were gradable, um, were collectible, had a kind of link to um, athletes and to teams and big moments. And the natural kind of connection were either things like programs, but the problem with programs is that they take up a bit more space than I had in my house. So I gravitated towards tickets. Tickets tended to be something that I've collected for a number of years when it's been related to gigs and concerts that I've been to, but um, I thought there might be um, kind of something fun to do there in the thick of the pandemic that was perhaps a little bit cheaper than spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on cards. So that's, that's exactly how I got into it. Now, I know recently, at least last few months, ticket prices have kind of exploded. I think it was a guy like Darren, Ro I think what's his name, Darren Robo on Twitter or something like that. The reporter that has a huge ticket collection. I see him posting it all the time. I actually saw that national, but when you first started getting into tickets, were they pretty much like a dollar, $2 for important events or were they still like 30, $40 up to a couple hundred for some of the bigger tickets? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I've still never really spent anything beyond three figures on a ticket. Um, they, they, you know, when I first began the, the tickets about 18 months ago and I was concentrating on soccer back then because I was feeling like soccer was a space that I knew well. Um, that was an area that I felt that I was being priced out of with respect to cards and stickers. Uh, a lot of those tickets were kind of single digits. You know, we're talking kind of sub ten dollars um and then kind of you know some of the stuff that you really want maybe you were spending kind of the low two figures on but but by and large um it was it, it it was quite easy to pick up bargains because no one else seemed to be kind of looking at that at that time now as a ticket collector then do you have to research like significant games or do you kind of have an idea already going into it like uh, someone's debut maybe like a first, at least on soccer side of things, like first goal or first championship, or how does that work on the research side of things? So um, with, 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 with my approach, it was predominantly with debuts to begin with. And I, I, I guess naturally, because uh, there's, there's quite a big emphasis within the hobby to concentrate on kind of rookie card collecting and rookie sticker collecting, the natural kind of 
parallel for me in ticket collecting is his debut and first type collecting. So uh, the research that was involved normally be going on resources like uh, for, for soccer anyway, transfermarket.com. Um, and that has quite good lists, if not totally dependable um, on, on, on individual player statistics. So things like player debuts for particular clubs and in particular competitions, it's a general good first starting point. Um, and then I guess it was just kind of delving, I, I mean, first and foremost, I kind of consider myself to be kind of like a bit of a sports fan. Um, just started thinking about, well, who, who are the key individuals that I kind of have thought about, you know, as being particularly prominent in, in my own lifetime and what are the events that I think of when I think of players like Cristiano Ronaldo or, you know, when, when you think of players like, um, you know, or, 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 or events like the Olympics, what, what are the things that kind of uh, come to mind? And I suppose that's where that quest kind of began with sort of branching out towards sort of what, what I think is commonly referred to within the ticket market as, as kind of those moment tickets. Um, so I think there's a kind of natural hybrid of, yes, I think uh, that there's, there's the sort of like rookie parallel and that's chasing after the um, kind of debut tickets, but then also, for me, it was kind of um, thinking about what I liked as a sports fan, what are those big events that I can remember from, from kind of my own um, knowledge of soccer and, and kind of finding tickets off of the back of that. And now, that's kind of how okay. it came so. now what, what do those pop reports look like for the tickets compared to cards? Now, obviously, there's events have maybe between a couple thousand people and a hundred thousand at bigger events, but a lot of people just throw away their tickets. And nowadays a lot of tickets are digital unless you have to request to print a ticket and not even all stadiums go through with that request. I know I asked for Brandon McKay was a pitcher for the Rays. I went to his first start. I asked for a physical ticket and they said they don't do that anymore at the Rays game. So there's no way to be able to get that. But uh, what do you see at least from pop wise comparative to cards? So it's, I mean, across the board, they love her. Uh, firstly, especially in soccer. Um, so, you know, I mean, you might be used to seeing perhaps over the course of, um, you know, a lifetime of collecting since they've come out, maybe several hundred copies of Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, Mega Cracks rookie card as being graded with PSA. Now, when I got my first copy of that ticket um, graded, it was the third one that had been graded. Um, and, you know, that I mean, three at that point was the, was the pop report. Now, if, if you check now, as opposed to 18 months ago, it's up to about 20. So what I would say is that these numbers are increasing. They're not yet at that point where I think with any firm conclusions, you can, you can say they've stopped. I think they'll continue to increase for some time. Uh, but across the board, what I would say is that they tend to be lower than your corresponding rookie cards. I suppose where it comes into its own are those sort of moments type occasions. So, um, you know, things like David Beckham scoring from the halfway line, that doesn't really have a natural um, parallel with the card community. And so um, what, what you find there is that there will be copies that have been graded by PSA, but it's quite hard to gauge whether it's uh, kind of kind of populous in the context of, I guess, other cards and stickers. But across the board, I would say that they're lower than what we're used to seeing in cards and stickers. Yeah, and for the future of tickets, at least, because they kind of stop for a period of five or so years, 
Do you see it going towards where NFTs are because now you can put a number towards the ticket or do you see it just stopping completely? Or where do you see it? I think, I think for me, um, what, I, I, I think the, the approach that I've always had over the last 18 months is that of a collector. Um, you know, I really like collecting these pieces as tangibles. I like being able to show them to friends, the fact that they are physical and they signify uh, actual moments in, in in sports history and sometimes beyond that in cultural history, I think is a really compelling argument for why I collect. Um, I think in terms of kind of, you know, um, commoditizing them and turning them into NFTs, I think there have been some discussions about being able to do that. But principally, I kind of pride myself on being that end collector i i like collecting these tickets i i you know i'm not necessarily buying them in order to speculate on their values going up if that comes about as sort of like a byproduct of uh there being a surge of interest then that's great but principally i just think that i think they're fucking awesome actually i mean you know some of the stuff that i have i just you know i can't see it ever leaving my collection because i'm so attached to them and you know some people find the same attachment from cards i i, I think what i'm trying to say is that you know, through kind of like the searches for some of these individual tickets, which is sometimes looking for like a needle in a haystack, when you eventually get that sort of uh, breakthrough and you're able to actually acquire an item, sometimes you, you've grown such an attachment to that ticket that actually it's very hard to ever see yourself parting with it. So I think my view is that in five years time, I still see it as a hobby that's going to be there simply because there are purist collectors at the end of that value chain. I'm not sure where the NFT market will go. It's not something that I know particularly a lot about. But what I would say is that um, wherever you kind of have a value chain with sort of collectors that are at the end of it, uh, you know, there, there's some sort of a value proposition there. Um, so I, I, I guess I'd like to see what happens in the next five years, I suppose. No, you, de you definitely need to have those diehard collectors. I'm the same way. There's there's a few other PCs, which I, I really haven't talked about much on the channel, but every day I'm searching through these cards and there's not much documented. So it's finding those needles in the haystack and you find them, you're like, let's go. And you buy the cards. That's why I don't like vaulting my cards away at uh, some of these different like auction houses. It's a good concept of security at least, but man, it, I like having it in person or being able to see it. at least at like a, at a bank, you can walk in and be able to see the cards rather than if you mint them and put away. I think I was primarily, primarily talking about like how Ticketmaster has a scanners now for your phone for a ticket where you can't get the physical copy. If those are going to be turned into NFTs, so at least someone has something for the event, not like the turning the physical ticket into that. But um, at least on that front of things, I, I really wish there's the physical version still rather than just on the phone. But that being said, let's take a look at some of your tickets that you have in your collection. Some of those grails that you've chased after the last few years. So what's so, your first, what's your, first off, what's your oldest ticket? Uh, gosh, um, that's a really good question. So I've got um, three of the four gold medal sessions in which uh, Jesse Owens won uh, three of his four golds at the 1936 Olympics. So they're probably the oldest. They're currently at PSA in the process of being graded. Um, I think that I think off the top of my head, those are the oldest ones that I have. In terms of what I have that's in front of me, I've, I've got I can I can show if if you're happy with that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, show everything. So this is probably the oldest one that I have at the moment, and this is kind of what I consider to be like my. I mean, this is my favourite ticket. So uh, this is um, the session in which the Black Power salute took place at the kind of Olympics in uh, Mexico, 1968. Um, it's 
I mean, it's an awkward sized slab. That's, yeah, that's know, what's going to happen with those, those tickets you're telling me. It's exactly, you come to appreciate that kind of, you know, the, the size of the tickets are sometimes a little bit bigger than cards. But I mean, in terms of the ticket itself, like um, I love the design of uh, kind of the, the, the branding that was used for Mexico 1968 and then widely readapted for the World Cup that took place in Mexico a couple of years later. But in terms of like this ticket itself, I think there's there's not very many events that kind of transcend sport altogether. Um, and certainly no parallel in kind of like the card or ticket world. I mean, uh, card or sticker world. I mean, you know, Tommy Smith and John Carlos do have, um, you know, um, stickers that you can go and hunt, but nothing really encapsulates the, the Black Power Salute on, on the podium in the way that I feel that this ticket does. Um, so for me, I mean, you know, it's, it, it, is, it is the pinnacle of my collection. I love it. And I, I can't ever see myself parting with it. Um, you know, it, it was something that I um, had to do quite a lot of digging for um, when, when, when I was kind of uh, starting out. This is probably something that I bought about a year ago. Um, but, you know, with the Olympics having taken place in Mexico, that's exactly where I got this ticket from. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a treasure hunt. But, um, yeah, it's not something that's going to leave the collection. Did you, get that, did you get that through like a Discord group or a marketplace or just through another no. collector? So, I mean, for me, it was actually... Um, I uh, and what, what you'll find on eBay is that there are a lot of people that are uh, selling tickets. Um, more often than not, I think people have a habit of just waiting for tickets to come up. But I'm kind of a little bit like kind of in, <laughs> intrusive, <laughs> maybe when when I ask 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 individuals. So I noticed that there was one particular seller um, who was located in Mexico. I literally cold contacted him on eBay and said, "Look, I'm looking for this specific ticket." from these games do you have it and to kind of you know my my delight he did uh, he he knew the significance of it sometimes vendors don't always know the significance of of the tickets that they have um but we we agreed a price and you know it was probably around about a hundred dollars actually for this particular ticket but for, but for me i mean it's priceless i think you know there are some tickets that kind of you know you, you, you I mean, it's it's just one of those that will just never leave the collection. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are different strategies to kind of eliciting tickets from people. And you know, eBay, online market marketplaces are kind of the common method that you do go down. But um, sometimes you have to try a lot harder. <laughs> um, so I mean, uh, I, can, I can show you something that's a lot more recent, actually. Where yeah, let's take a look. Has been the case. So um, here we go. Earlier in twenty. Uh, 21, um, the Argentine footballer Lionel Messi uh, transferred teams. So he transferred from Paris, uh, well, from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, as I'm sure like the vast majority of your uh, viewers will know. Um, now, that was a game that was predominantly digital ticketed. Um, and shortly after the game, uh, tickets were popping up on eBay and there was a lot of competition for those tickets. But what I've found works quite well is trying to find attendees who attended the game and cold contacting them, seeing if they're willing to part with the ticket. And more often than not, they'll say no, uh, because they want to keep the ticket as a memento of attending that occasion. But from time to time, someone's actually quite open to, you know, um, selling the ticket to you knowing that I'm a, I'm a collector and uh, in exchange for more than probably their admission price they're happy to sell the ticket to me so 
that's that's how it works with that it didn't come back with a particularly high grade but i'm not really intending to kind of you know part with it or anything like that and so sometimes the search takes you in kind of weird ways it's not necessarily just relying on things popping on ebay because that way if you do that it's not always going to be the most economical way to do it and you know like i said earlier i pride myself on kind of feeling like if i'm pricing out of the market i just won't go into that market um so sometimes it's a case of seeing how can you find the same commodities that are on the market for cheaper um and that's that's kind of the story behind that one so i was going to ask as well about the grading side of things you probably don't see a lot of tens do you because people put tickets in their pockets they crease them up they get damaged uh, what's technically a good grade on the ticket side of things? Do people just look at it as long as it's slabbed and authenticated or how does that fully work? So it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think historically before, before kind of I'd entered the ticket collecting side of the hobby, there was a long lineage of individuals that that slab um, basketball tickets or baseball tickets. And I would say that generally in those sports, you tend to see higher grades actually than we do expect to see in, soccer now the reason being i think maybe is is that you get a lot of unused tickets that are maybe in ticket in season ticket type books uh that have been freshly torn out and kind of you know can be submitted for high grades but um in soccer i mean you know i've only got a handful of grades that are kind of above above a five um invariably uh you know it's it, the, the, these these things are sometimes kind of quite rare so that ability to be able to even purchase them is kind of my primary concern a lot of the time. It doesn't necessarily matter to me that um, it's only going to get a one or a 1.5 or a two. And those, those those are grades that I commonly get, you know, sometimes I'm not, I'm not necessarily too bothered about the fact that it's not going to grade high because the what it comes down to for me is would I rather have the rare object at all or would I pass up that opportunity in case it never arises again? I, I um, love that philosophy on that one. I mean, that's that's where I, I used to always look at a card and go, oh, I'm going to go after this if it's if it looks nice. And I missed so many opportunities over time because of that, where I could have taken a lower graded example and the lower graded example skyrocketed in price. And even those like mid to high ones, which are out of my price range, those are way, way out of my price range. And I look back and man, I wish I just bought a low grade example. And then if I have the chance in the future upgrade and ever since I've been able to do that, my whole PC has grown so much better over time. I think that's the best way or best approach to do it. Um, but I was going to ask too, uh, is there a lot of parallels at least between ticket grading and card grading? Like do they use similar systems where it's a crease that automatically goes down to a, a two or is it where a crease can still get a higher grade? Uh, just because some of the tickets are already going to be creasing. Plus with like the ticket stub part as well as some people rip them off. How does that fully work? Is there two different uh, grade systems for that? Like a full ticket or like the ticket without the stub? I know obviously probably a full ticket. I mean, I don't know ticket market, but I would assume that the full ticket with the stub goes for a premium over the one with the stub teared off or how does that all work? That's, that's, that's exactly correct. So um, in, um, usually when you look on PSA's pop reports for, let's say, a particularly um, available ticket, it is usually split into a pop report of both the full ticket in kind of its untampered with form and then stubs, which often are tampered with. They might have a part missing. Now, in my experience, even if there's a segment of the physical stub still intact, if it's been torn in any way, uh, PSA will classify that as a stub. Um, now, 
you're absolutely right again with the value themselves. So full tickets do tend to go for uh, a premium over stub tickets or um, you know tickets with that aren't full. Um, and then I suppose again the 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 limitations with respect to actual grading. Now historically, before I entered kind of the the ticket market, I think there was uh, a lot of people who used to submit tickets and request an authentic grade, and that would be all. But certainly, I think in the last year, we've seen more and more people request number grades. Uh, PSA are quite uh, brutal when it comes to uh, awarding these. So any any fold, I think your 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 number grades are generally limited. Um, and it, it can sometimes be a barely visible crease. Uh, but, you know, when there is a barely visible crease, sometimes I think, you know, you'd be lucky if you get a three and more often than not, it's a two or below. Um, so I think, you know, when you think, when you put your, yourself in the shoes of uh, an individual that's actually attended one of these games, you know, we, we've, we've both been to sports events times and times over. I mean, just throw in your uh, wallet and be you done just with it. And you pulled it. That's already a PSA two <laughs> at that point. Exactly. And, you know, that's 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 the nature of this game. It's it's very rare that you come across tickets that are in flawless condition. Um, and perhaps when you do come across them, there might well be a premium attached to them. Um, but but, you know, it's back to that kind of philosophy that I mentioned earlier. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of, of, of the choice and it's kind of, you know, by hook or by crook, you just want the ticket in any condition. Yeah, that. All right. So let's take a look at another stub that you have. Uh, Primarily, I know you do soccer, but we also talked a little bit. You have music stubs as well. Yes, so, uh, we did. Um, so, so um, I shared one yesterday. Uh, this is this is actually a gig that I attended. I kept the vast majority of gigs that I or, or tickets that kind of a, 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 for, for concerts and gigs that I've attended over, over my lifetime. Um, this that is, is one something I I regret not doing, guys. <laughs> like I went to before the, all the card shows. I used to go to so many concerts. I I saw three hundred rock and metal bands and unfortunately did not keep any of the stubs including like an iron maiden one which they weren't giving out tickets at that event really regret it so, so i was I, I was lucky to be at university about 15 years ago when some of these bands were kind of making making waves so this is this is a ticket stub in absolutely abysmal co condition actually because i've carried it from house to house it's got pinholes all over it um <laughs> you can see those uh, and, and it's folded. So, I mean, you know, this is a candidate it, for, for a PSA one, if lucky. Yep. But this is a ticket from the first UK tour of the Arctic Monkeys. Um, so, I mean, you know, strong personal connection actually attached to this individual ticket. Um, uh, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, a gig that I attended. Um, and I suppose, you know, it, it, like like I say, with, with ticket collecting in general, it can kind of take you in very many di directions. And that's the beauty of kind of all, 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 all kind of the sphere of collectibles, I suppose, you know, that no two collectors will necessarily have the same collection. Um, so, I mean, you know, this, this, this is a good example of a, of, a, of a concert ticket, but, you know, there are, there are countless examples of other random crap that I've managed to pick up over or search for. So, you know, um, recently I was searching for a ticket to the last uh, Late Show with David Letterman, um, you know, something that's like culturally uh, important. I know individuals that have tickets from... Um, the Apollo 11 launch uh, from, you know, presidential dinners, from presidential oh, cool. inaugurations. Uh, I've, I've seen those over Twitter recently. I can't remember the guy who's <laughs> been posting them. Yeah, he, I mean, they look so nice in the slabs. 
and 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 to be honest, you know, these are these are kind of like historical moments as well, you know. So impeachment trials have been kind of like slab. It's, it's kind of it, that's it, so cool. It, you have a really, Nixon one, or not I, Nixon, I don't, <laughs> yeah, Nixon I, or a Clinton impeachment one. I, uh, you can you can pick up a Clinton impeachment one, I think, for relatively kind of you know modest price. I think. Um, that's so funny. Now, <laughs> um, I, I've not gone down that route uh, the, of the presidential tickets, but you know, every now and again, kind of my mind wanders, and I think actually there's something quite interesting there. So I picked up the other day uh, a ticket from the first flight of Concorde um, in the UK, which again was just something that kind of I'd seen someone else share, and I thought I'd have a search for it myself and managed to find it quite quickly. Um, it's you know, it, it it takes you in all sorts of weird wonderful directions I guess the hobby does you know for me first off it was tickets but then I thought okay I'm going to concentrate on soccer tickets and then eventually it became other stuff like the Olympics and then I guess it became more of a reflection of my own habits as a fan I, I consider myself to be a general sports enthusiast not necessarily wedded to one sport or another um, and that's that's kind of what I like about ticket collecting you know in in in, in uh, card and sticker collecting I think you can sometimes be limited by the number of releases that there might be for particular sports and some sports might not necessarily be well represented. So athletics is something that I'm really passionate about and love watching. Um, but actually in terms of kind of rookie cards for the Olympics, there's, there's a little bit out there, but not necessarily stuff that I'm kind of thinking is really aimed at the seasoned professional collector market. Um, there's no kind of you know tops chrome type equivalent for the olympics or you know and there hasn't been a long history of that so for me the natural segue is actually to go after some of these tickets which signify those events in a better way in my in my opinion and and perhaps reflect kind of my my um uh, i guess desires as a collector no I, i'd agree with that like the olympic side of things there's strip cards in the early 1900s and then you had also some sticker cards from Panini and then Tops made some cards as well. Uh, it was in the 2000s or 2010s, I can't remember, but they had a full, yeah, I can't remember exact year, but they had a full set. And I know Donruss did some things around like Michael Phelps, but besides that, I mean, it's not like normal baseball or basketball where it's year after year, there's a release. And with the Olympics, I mean, it's every two years. So I understand from that side of things, but and I, I really wish there was more sets over time. It'd be really cool historical, but that's where your market comes in, where it's like tickets. You can find a ticket for everything. And even if an athlete, right, might not have been that first set, but then became a gold medal winner later on, then you're and, not getting their true first representation in the Olympics. But with your ticket, you can. Yeah. And, and you know, it's from the ridiculous to the sublime as well. You know, you can have moments like kind of, um, you know, the Jamaican bobsleigh team at the Calgary 1988 Olympics through to you know, Nadia Comaneci getting her first perfect 10 at the Olympics. You can have Michael Johnson, uh, you know, winning gold in his golden shoes at Atlanta. Um, you know, so many uh, individuals before they turn professional have a stint as a boxer. So we know that Evander Holyfield or Lennox Lewis or Floyd Mayweather Jr. all box at the Olympics. And these, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm missing out the biggest name, Cassius Clay at the 1960 Olympics, you can go out and find these tickets. They're not necessarily um, always at such a premium because a lot of the time individuals don't necessarily know the significance of the tickets that they have. And that's the aspect of uh, ticket collecting that I really love is that sort of research side of things, 
and then kind of putting that research into motion and looking for that kind of treasure. And when you find it, it's absolutely amazing. That, that's, uh, the, that's the best part of the hobby, just the research side of things. You, I don't like getting spoon fed information, just going out there and finding out the stuff for yourself. It, I mean, it's just as much as fun as like finding the exact cards. So once you make that list of stuff that you're going to chase after, and then whether you're trying to find on eBay or my subs or any other marketplace, just trying to figure out where that card is available or in your case ticket. I, I love it. Yeah, it's as as I say, you know, it's a, it's a really rewarding thing, and um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm kind of grateful that I found kind of the 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 card and sticker hobby in a way as well, because I don't think that without feeling like there was this wasn't necessarily what I wanted to orient my own collection around, I don't think I would have kind of pivoted towards tickets because it was a pivot. It wasn't necessarily a um, I'm going to start collecting tickets one day. It was it, it was through that sort of general spirit of, of 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 collecting in general and finding my own feet within within the larger like wider hobby. Yeah, you're doing a great job with it. You want to show a few more uh, tickets? Yeah, as well yeah, as yeah. absolutely. So um, let's let's uh, let's 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 show you a few Olympics. So we we've spoken about him already, um, yeah. but these are uh, two tickets from. Uh, well, this one here is from the Sydney 2000 Olympics, and it is the first um, the first um, uh, event in which Michael Phelps actually swam. So you can see that um, you know he was aged 15 at the time. That's insane. So <laughs> I think there's only I think about four of these that have been graded. I mean, you know, again, this is this is a ticket that I picked up on um, on eBay for ten ten dollars. Um, you know, it, uh, and the person didn't know what it was. And there was a bit of research involved in finding out whether it was the right session. But once I'd worked out that it was the right session, I just plumped and bought it. Um, so, you know, again, Michael Phelps, whether, whether you like swimming or not, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Um, one of the other ones is, is four years later, he got his first gold medal at Athens. So there's that ticket there, um, which again, is pretty pretty cool um so again it's sort of a um uh, I, I also have his sort of last gold medal at rio and that should be getting graded soon but I quite like the idea of being able to bookend yeah. sort of with with kind of like tickets um in, in 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 kind of sports cards and sports stickers that's not always the case because even beyond the end of a, a player's career tick, you know stickers and cards continue to be printed um and so I quite like the kind of simplicity and, and, and finiteness sometimes that you find with tickets. There's a, there's a definite with, with, with the start and the end of something. Um, so just trying to think about what else I have. Um, there's, there's this one that's pretty, pretty fun. So um, this is, this is ooh, I've got that upside down. So this is from the public unveiling of the N64 um, and uh, the, the, uh, this was the first unveiling of kind of Mario Kart 64 and Super Mario uh, 64 as well. Um, so this is a ticket that I found off of uh, a Japanese marketplace. Uh, I saw an individual who's a friend of mine also acquire the same ticket and I thought, okay, I'm going to have a little bit of a play and see if I can find one for myself. Um, one of these sold at Golden's a couple of months ago for about $2,000. Um, that was a PSA 2. This is a PSA 8. I don't think you can necessarily kind of like extrapolate in a linear fashion no, um, with 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 tickets. I think I think that's one of the things to bear in mind is that value is is it, it, it's it's a lot more of a kind of ballpark type thing. 
you know, it's, I think one of the things that people really struggle with when they're entering ticket collecting is this concept of comps that we come across a lot in card and sticker collecting. You know, if you want a PSA 9 of a particular card, there might well be hundreds of comps that you can see at any given time. Now, something like this, it's all in kind of how much am I willing to pay for it, really? And, you know, I don't know, is it is it a four-figure ticket? Is it a three-figure ticket? Well, it depends to different investors what, what or collectors what you would be willing to pay for it. So it's a very kind of like, um, it's a very like elementary kind of like form of bargaining, I think a lot of the time is what you find in ticket collecting. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the more sort of um, mad tickets that I have. This is, um, uh, something that I traded for so it was lucky to have a duplicate of a particular ticket and a lot of the time um, when you have a duplicate of something it kind of acts as a really good bargaining chip for wanting uh, filling a hole in your collection so uh, I had a spare debut from Kylian Mbappe's Monaco debut so the first game that he played for in professional football um, and I swapped that for this ticket, which is Kabib, um, Kabib, I can never pronounce his, his surname, um, Nurmagomedov's UFC debut. Um, so this is Khabib's, a pop one. Is it Kabib? Kabib, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kabib's uh, UFC debut. So this is a pop one ticket. Um, no other um, kind of stubs or falls exist of this one. Um, I was kind of enticed by this one because I figured if you, if you look on Instagram, I think behind Conor McGregor, he's the most followed in, like athlete from UFC. I believe he's so. Most followed Russian on the platform as well. Um, so yeah, I think there was kind of like a general allure there, but without necessarily kind of following um, uh, UFC in an intimate way, that this is a kind of person that is, is thought of in some spheres as kind of like a modern goat in the same way that you might think of someone like Max Verstappen or, or you know, Kylian Mbappe or, um, you know, one of the young pretenders to perhaps the kind of like goat tag. And I think he's coaching people as well right now. So we're going to see, at least from the coaching side, if he can build a team of fighters. And if he does that as like a second career, man. That's, I mean, he's already probably a top five UFC fighter of all time. And I know the sport's still kind of new in retrospect compared to everything else, like let's say soccer, baseball, cricket, or basketball, but still, man, like the guy's a beast. I mean, he wrestled bears when he was a kid. What else can you say? (laughs) I mean, and, and, you know, he's one of the few UFC fighters that went unbeaten. So, you know, I mean, just when you look at kind of like the statistics of of people that that fight in UFC, it's very rare that you come across someone that has gone, has, has a, has a sort of flawless record. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was really alluring. Um, uh, going from one 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 form of combat to another we talked about it a, a bit of a while ago but this is floyd mayweather jr's olympic debut um floyd so That's this sick. this is um again a full ticket it's the highest graded copy of that um yeah i mean it's it's kind of a like do you know again it's one of these kind of like tickets that i picked up for about ten dollars because you know when i was collecting i was asking contextually do you have a ticket from the 8 p.m session at, of, <laughs> of july the 22nd um you know and 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 that's how kind of a lot of these searches sort of work um yeah so so and then um you know there are there are kind of team sports as well so um the rider cup uh, here so the miracle or the meltdown at medina in 2012 is is sort of one of those um kind of events that i think if you're a golf fan, you might remember for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. 
Uh, this again was something that cost about twenty dollars as a readily available ticket, but kind of I think it looks really nice in a slab, and you know it it, it comes back to that essence of sort of collecting. It doesn't necessarily need to be kind of a, a bank breaking uh, uh, purchase in order for it to be meaningful to a collector. And now, I noticed that was a badge, and obviously there's different tiers of tickets. Do you find like the more, exp that was another question I had was, do you find more of the expensive tickets, like let's say for uh, American football, something closer to the 50 yard line, then the nosebleeds go for more, at least from like the visual standpoint, how those tickets are more decorated, or is it kind of like flat across? It's, it's a really good, really, really good question. Now, I think, I think the whole, um, the whole um, sport is, or the whole hobby of ticket collecting is probably a little bit in its infancy for those sorts of distinctions to be made. One of the things that I think we have seen in some sports like F1 is that there are uh, different tickets allow you um, uh, kind of admission to different areas. So, you know, if you're, if you're an individual who buys a general admission ticket, you'll get a, a ticket to the stands in an F1 race. Whereas if you're kind of part of the elite, you might well have a paddock pass or a VIP pass. Now, we're beginning to see kind of differences emerging in, in those sorts of markets where actually the prestige associated with a particular pass might be greater than say a general admission ticket. It's a little bit like what you see with kind of parallels in cards is the yeah. best way. That I, that, I had to ask because that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, there had to be like some extra value added in because of the scarcity of the ticket, but also just because how expensive it was on that side of things. Does PSA make any distinctions, like let's say a VIP pass versus normal as well, or is it just straight across so, the board? So if it's like a, like for example, the, the Ryder Cup, I don't know if there's VIP passes or not with that, but uh, they would have like a distinction VIP pass and have a different pop report, or is it just straight up Ryder Cup? So they they subdivide it into pass, stub, and uh, and full, and actually there's no more distinction beyond that. So it is a subjective kind of interpretation of kind of what you have in front of you. Um, and I guess it's at the kind of mercy of the collector to kind of decide whether they see a particular ticket as being slightly more priced than another one. Now, what I would say is that kind of myself, if I'm thinking of myself as a collector, I'm, I'm personally going to value something like a paddock pass for uh, a particular F1 race as more valuable than a non-paddock pass, because I know that it's a more uh, limited, in, uh, limited kind of commodity. Um, I know that it's it's reserved for a particular section of that audience, and therefore it's it's like that argument between it, it, it has a lot more parallels with say yeah. you know it's like a base card and parallel really. Uh, it, it feels a bit more like that to me. Now again, I guess in when you think about kind of like concerts as well, one of the things that I've seen happening quite a bit with with some of the big uh, landmark concerts that have taken place over over our lifetime so one of the ones that i'm thinking of is like live aid in 1985 one of the things that you can find quite readily is is, is tickets for live aid and they're at a generally decent price but actually what what you find for cheaper <laughs> oddly because i don't think there's such an um a, a um a well-developed market for it are things like backstage passes and uh in in one instance recently i picked up a, a ticket for the royal box um, so I myself kind of, again, think that that's kind of a, a quirky thing that is slightly different to just your general admission ticket. I do think that currently the hobby's not at that mature stage where it's necessarily differentiating between different types of tickets within a venue. But 
I know from my own collector standpoint, I I would put a different price on certain certain tickets. I think. No, that's that's really cool. At least on that side of things, I I can't wait till to see this market more developed. I think you're trying to get me into it quite a bit because <laughs> I just have a lot of thoughts running in my head. I'm like, man, I have to, I might try to look up some of these concert tickets or baseball or cricket or anything like that. Just going out there, at least buying a few just to stash away for now. Well, I think, I think, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the, the, the joy of having these conversations a lot of the time is that kind of, you, you never know that what, what you're going to provoke in someone else when you're having these conversations. So for instance, myself, I'm, I never considered myself a big F1 fan perhaps before I started kind of talking to other people and knowing that they were collecting stuff and, you know, things cascade from one interest to another. Um, that's, you can kind of go in any direction. Well, that's yeah. why I like the series so much. Just you can bring in people every single week that have different collections and you learn, educate yourself on that side of things. And then plus building those connections. It's, it's so much fun. So um, do you have any more tickets to show or do you want me just to go to your social media? I think it should be. Uh, well, um, I do, but maybe we, maybe, maybe we will keep that for next time. <laughs> All right. Let's do that. All right so where's, what's the best place to reach you? I know you have an Instagram. Do you have any other social media as well? So actually at the moment, I'm currently exclusively instagram so my account handle is uh tickets and slabs without any spaces in between and that's usually the best place to contact me i'm usually quite uh, receptive on kind of dms so please feel free to kind of reach out and talk um i'm always welcoming to that yeah guys give fab a follow on instagram if you don't have an instagram account make sure to make one because there's so many different content creators and collectors on instagram you can learn quite a lot and see some really awesome collections. Hey, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you very much, Ryan, and speak soon. Sounds good.